0: Good afternoon brothers and sisters, it is a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. The consistory has the following announcements. A special worship service to commemorate the ascension of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be held here, the Lord willing, on Thursday the 26th of May, commencing at 7.30pm. You are reminded of the wedding ceremony of Sister Nikki Hall and Brother Ashley Milder, which will be held on Saturday the 28th of May at 12.30pm, here in the Free Reformed Church of Southern River. This afternoon's worship service will be led by Reverend Solomon. From our sister church in Kelmscott. Before we begin let us sing together Psalm 119 verse 42. <laughs>
1: Brothers and sisters, please rise for a votum. We confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to the greeting of the Lord from Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is a prophecy about the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we will hear this afternoon in Lord Day 15. So let us sing from Psalm 88, to verses 1 and 2. Cicero, let us now, together with the Church of All Times and Places, profess our Catholic and Catholic Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let's do it by singing hymn one. Let us now pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your abundant grace that we as your people can come here together before you and that together with your church of all times and places we could profess our undoubted Catholic Christian faith, that we could confess also that we believe the life everlasting and we can do so because your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, came on this earth to die eternal death in our place. But through his power and his love, he conquered and defeated eternal death. And now we may be raised with him to a new life. And that is why we are here together, Father, to listen to the preaching of your word, to be reminded of that wonderful gospel and to be encouraged to live that new life in holiness and thankfulness before you. Father, we ask you to bless us now that we are here together, bless the preaching of your word, bless us in listening, fill our hearts with joy and thankfulness, and receive our sacrifices of thankfulness which you bring to you in our worship. That it all may come before you as a sacrifice that's pleasing to you. Father, as we pray in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon we will read from John 19, verse 17 to 37. This is about the crucifixion and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's also what the Church summarized in Lord's Day 15 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And I proclaim to you the word of God, as it is summarized in that Lord's Day. We read John 19, verse 17 through to verse 37. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple, whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So far, the scripture reading. Let us now sing from Psalm 102. Psalm 102, heed my prayer, O Lord, be near me. Also this, it says, on top of it, the prayer of one afflicted, when, it, when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Also this psalm is the prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ suffering on the cross. Let us sing Psalm 102, the first, one, two, and three. Let us now read Lars say 15 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 529 of the Book of Praise. Lars 15, there we see what the Church confesses as a summary of God's Word. What do you confess when you say that He suffered? During all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Thus, by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice, he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? Now innocent, Christ was condemned by an earthly judge, and so he freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? Yes, thereby I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me, for the crucified one was cursed by God. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we speak about the cross, then we speak about a well-known Christian symbol. There are many churches which will have a cross as a symbol on it. and A lot of people like to have a symbol on a necklace or other ways. However, if you compare a cross, as you can find it in Roman Catholic circles, with the cross as you find it in reformed circles, you compare it or you, comp- or you compare the cross which you see in a Roman Catholic Church building, with the crosses which you can see on Protestant church buildings, there is one big difference. I don't know if you have ever noticed it, what the difference is. The difference is that a Roman Catholic cross usually still has the body of Christ on it, while a Protestant cross never has it. Or if they do it, then it's not reformed anymore. Why is that? Well, the Roman Catholics believe that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ still has to be applied every time again to the believer whenever the Mass is being celebrated. So in fact they believe, although they may not say it in these words, but in fact they believe that Christ is still being crucified every time again when the bread is broken and the wine is poured out. And that happens on the altar in front of the church. That's why it is called an altar. It has to do with sacrifice. Well, the Reformed doctrine believes that Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross once for all, as Hebrews says it. And his sacrifice was was finished. He could cry out, it is finished. And with that, we were once for all justified for God. And by faith, we receive that justification. By faith, we are united with Christ so that with him we are righteous before God. We do not need to be made righteous every time again. No, we are righteous by faith because we are grafted into Christ. And just as Christ is righteous, risen from the dead, we also are being raised with him to a new life and are righteous before God. And in our sanctification, that is a process that the Holy Spirit works in us that is a process that is still going on. We are being sanctified. More and more we are being made new. We are being restored in the image of Christ. But our justification has taken place. And we have eternal life. And therefore the Lord Jesus could say to Mary and Martha when Lazarus died those who believe in me Will have that they live even though they die. So, those who believe in Him, they will live even though their body may still die, they have life. And there is no soul, sleep, or anything after death. No, we will continue to live. That is the eternal life of which we received the beginning here and now on this earth by faith through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross through his death, by which he conquered eternal death, and through his resurrection. And that is the gospel I proclaim to you, and it is summarized by the Church in Lord C 15. I proclaim it to you under this theme. The crucified Christ brings his people righteousness and eternal life. Now first, we will pay attention to the cross of Christ, and second, eternal life for his people. Crucified Christ brings his people righteousness and eternal life. First, we see the cross of Christ. As is quite commonly known nowadays, death by crucifixion is one of the most painful and terrible forms of punishment. The Romans knew how to punish their criminals, how to make them suffer, and how to show to the people that this is the fate of those who behave like criminals or slaves who ran away from their masters. It is an example for others. And usually crucifixion was only meant for rebels and murderers uh, and runaway slaves. And also a Roman citizen could never be crucified. It was one of the rights of being a Roman citizen. Many scientists have tried to explain why the death on the cross was so terrible with big nails through your wrists, the place where most of the nerves came together and it hurts the most. Nails through your feet, and then hanging on on the cross, man, that you slowly suffocated. You had a hard time breathing, so you pushed yourself up on your feet, which hurted, of course, very much because of nails through your feet. And I won't go into detail here, but scientists, many scientists, have described how terrible it is. And it could take days before the crucified one died. Days of terrible agony and thirst. And although the death by crucifixion was indeed a terrible and painful death, still there were many in those days who were crucified, who died through crucifixion. The Romans used it quite commonly when a nation rebelled against the Romans, and the leaders of the rebellion were crucified, murderers were crucified, and, and, and it was a quite a common thing in the Roman world. What made Christ's death so special? to well, understand that we have to know that for the Jews crucifixion had a special meaning. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 21, verse 23, God says that someone who was hung on a tree was cursed. In the Old Testament, if someone committed a very serious sin, then sometimes after his death, his body had to be hung on a tree. Not while he was still alive, as the Romans did, but after his death. So that everybody could see that there was no place for him, not on earth, not in heaven, and he was hanging between earth and heaven. And that made crucifixion for the Jews even worse than for the Romans. It was a sign of the curse, cursed by God and man. And that was what made it for our Lord Jesus Christ so terrible. It made it for him the deepest and most bitter suffering that ever took place. Not so much all the pain that he suffered, although that was terrible as well, but especially the fact that he was forsaken, not only by man, but also by God, his Father. During his life and work on earth, Christ told his disciples and others repeatedly, about that close unity between him and the Father. He and the Father are one. And the way to the Father is only through the Son. And who knows the Son, he also knows the Father. And in John 12, a voice came from heaven and spoke, so that the crowd would indeed believe that it was the Father who sent him. In John 12, the Lord Jesus speaks about his death. And in verse 27, he says... Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And when the Lord Jesus was on the cross, he was under the curse of God. His whole life on earth he came to glorify the Father, and the glory of the Father was everything for him. And on the cross he couldn't even see the glory of the Father. It was for him as if God wasn't there. We know that God is always there and God is everywhere, but for him it was as if God was not there. He was forsaken by God. He was under the curse of God, and especially in those three hours of darkness, there it came to a climax. Not that the Father did not love the Son anymore. The Father certainly loved the Son, especially for what He did, that He gave Himself up. But it was because the Son took our sins upon Himself. And when He was on the cross, He paid for our sins. And that burden of sin that made it for him impossible to live in communion with his father. He had to suffer under that burden of sin which took away every contact with God. But he bore that punishment for our sins. Because that is the punishment for sin. And the contact with God, the communion of God is broken. And that is eternal death, being without God. But Jesus Christ bore that burden of our sin. He paid for our sin. And God had to withdraw himself from his Son because of his wrath over all our sins. God had to punish the Son whom he loved because of our sins. And therefore Christ had to bear our sins alone during the time he was on the cross under the curse of God forsaken by God and man. It's difficult for us, brothers and sisters, to understand what that must have been. People during history have tried to understand it. People have gone into monasteries to meditate on that, try to understand what this suffering must have meant. But no human being will ever be able to understand what our Lord Jesus Christ suffered. It is the most terrible suffering that is ever possible. Christ, the eternal Son of God, now forsaken by God, under the curse of God. That is what the cross symbolizes. Being forsaken by God, that means hell. It means being cast out in utter darkness. There is no love anymore. Never. uh, Nowhere. Love can only exist where God's love is. If God's love isn't there, there is no love. If God withdraws his love, then there is only hate. And imagine that the full power of hate will be released on you. Here on earth, we will never suffer that. But that is what happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. The full power of hate attacked him there on the cross. He knew what it was not only to experience the perfect love of God but he knew also what it was to live in perfection in heavenly glory in a situation where sin could not do its destructive work and relations were not corrupted by sin. The relationship with his father the relationship within a triune God were perfect, are perfect. And he knows what it is. And then to have to miss that on the cross, he experienced the opposite of that. Satan unleashed all his powers. Because God did not hold Satan back during the time on the cross, Jesus in his human nature endured all the hate, the full power of hate, and he had to endure it alone, without any comfort from any human or from his father. He could not experience anymore the relationship of love with God, even though God the Father still was there and he knew that. But he was on his own in utter darkness. We can't understand what it meant for Jesus Christ. We never experienced it. It is for us on this earth impossible to experience or understand it. Because on this earth it is still God's grace in which he holds Satan back. So that Satan cannot exercise his full power. Satan is still bound. And if we believe, we will never experience hell. And Satan will never have full power over us. And how terrible our suffering on earth may be from time to time. And how terrible the hate may be sometimes on this earth. And I know for some people on this earth it may be terrible if you're constantly running. (laughs) Constantly on the run for people who are trying to kill you. Constantly hiding. Not finding friends to protect you. Sometimes we say it is like hell. But still, we know, on this earth, we will never experience hell in its fullness. And what we suffer on this earth, it is not what our Lord Jesus Christ experienced on the cross. When he not only had to suffer under the full power of hate from mankind and from Satan, but also was completely without the presence of God's love. He could not experience it there, because of the burden of sin. He did it all In our place. And he was able to suffer it and still remain faithful. And he did not give in to that hate. He kept his love, even though he couldn't experience any love. He kept his love. He fully fulfilled the great commandment of God to love God with all his heart and soul and mind and to love his neighbor as himself. Every moment during his suffering in hell, he was faithful and fully fulfilled this great commandment. He was completely obedient even when he was forsaken by God. And that is how he conquered the power of hell and Satan. Satan was not able to break him. Satan was not able to conquer his love, to defeat his love. The hate had no power on him. Christ came to suffer and to die so that we would be made holy. That we would not be sinners anymore, but that we can be sanctified, filled with love for God and our neighbor. Let us then, therefore, hate sin, brothers and sisters. Let us hate sin with such a hate and love God with such a love that we see sin as. The most terrible thing we can do. And we don't want to sin anymore. Not even those little sins. Knowing what those, even those little sins, brought our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Christ suffered for our sins. Even for those little, so-called, unimportant sins about which we can laugh. But we have to realize that without Christ... Every sin leads to death. Therefore, there should not be one sin, not even one, which we do not take seriously and from which we do not flee. Remember that. Keeping in mind what our Lord Jesus Christ went through and he did it for us. And therefore, we will love him with such a love that we flee from all sin. And that brings us to our second point, eternal life for Christ's people. In John 19, this afternoon, we read a lot about what others did. There's a lot of action going around, uh, going on around him. Soldiers who crucified him, the two other criminals, one at the left side, the other at his right side, and then also the quarrel between the Jews and Pilate about the sign, and then the soldiers dividing the garments. John describes it all. And then look at our Lord Jesus Christ hanging there on the cross. The dignity with which he accepted this all. He did not protest. He did not open his mouth to curse others. He did not plead his innocence. He did not complain about the injustice of Pontius Pilate. He was silent about all that. And all those around him could do whatever they wanted and could say whatever they wanted. They could mock him and do so much to insult him. But he had decided that this is what he came to do on this earth. John 12, for this purpose I came into this hour. Father, glorify your name. Our Lord Jesus Christ is a lamb that is silent for its shears. With a royal dignity. He did not shout. He did not fight back. He did not repay evil with evil. He waited for the Lord, and that and that was his strength, his obedience to God, his love for God. And he went his way with royal dignity even in his suffering. And this is what should happen. It was all decided. In God's plan by the Triune God. Also, this does not go against the will and plan of God. Christ knows that this is the way in which He will obtain His victory. And John shows us here a little bit of that victory. You notice that Pilate prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, "Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews." In three languages, an international announcement. Of course this was meant by Pilate to mock the Jews. The Jews pressured him to condemn Jesus to death even though he disagreed. But they wanted him to be crucified and he had to give in to them, much to his own shame. But now he could hit them back by ridiculing them that this Jesus is their king. Look at those Jews. They have a crucified one as their king. And the Jews felt this ridicule. They wanted to change it and went to Pilate again. But now Pilate did not give in. He stood firm. What I have written, I have written. This is it. There is a political game going on here between Pilate and the Jews. Around the whole suffering and crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even while Jesus, the Savior of the world, is hanging on the cross... Powerful on this earth continue their evil scheming, but God looks at them and God laughs. He is seated in heaven. He says, "I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill." Psalm 2. Jesus knows this is the way to go to the victory, even though Pilate and the Jews do not know it. Even Satan doesn't even understand it. And they, the Jews and Pilate, they play the political games. But in the meantime. We can see this notice above his head as a prophecy. It did tell the truth. The Jews did not want that, but it, re- it did remain there, and everybody there could see it. They saw Jesus Christ and him crucified, and they saw the testimony Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, the king of God's people. He is the son of David. He who would sit on David's throne, King of God's people. Many of the Jews rejected him and did not accept him as their king, but he remains King of God's people, King of Israel. And his way goes through death, but leads to eternal life and glory. His suffering and death did not come over him as if he could not help it, and as if he was a passive victim of the bickering between the Jews and Pilate. No, this is his work. This is his will. He actively took it upon himself because this was the very reason why he came on this earth, as we saw in John 12. This was the way to his glory. He knew it, and he went this way in royal dignity. And with that, the prophecies come to fulfillment. For instance, the well-known prophecy of Isaiah 53. He did not open his mouth when he was ridiculed like a sheep before a shearers. It was not the ridicule from men. It was not the Jews who despised him. It was not the Romans who nailed him to the cross. It was not even Pontius Pilate, even though he was there in his official position as government ordained by God. But it was not that all that was most important to him. No, it was the power of hell, which he came to fight. The greatest and fiercest battle ever fought. The battle that will redeem this creation from eternal misery. Although nobody of mankind understood that at that time. He went to fight that battle in loneliness. Even his own people, not knowing what he came to do. Not even his disciples. But he did it all to protect and redeem us, his people, from the power of hell and Satan. And also now, brothers and sisters, the testimony comes to us. He is your king. He is no longer on the cross. Jesus left the cross, was buried and rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, as we will remember on Thursday, and he is seated at God's right hand, from where he will come to judge the living and the dead, he is your king. Accept him and honor him as your king. It was Paul said in, in First Corinthians one and two that Paul's task was only to preach Christ crucified. First Corinthians one verse twenty-three, where he says that he preached Christ crucified which is for the Jews, a stumbling block, and for the Greeks, it is foolishness. But for those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness for the Gentiles. We see it confirmed around us still now. Also now, 20 centuries after Paul wrote this, and, and after this happened at Gogotha. It is still the same. Nothing has changed. The nations go on their own ways, and his gospel being preached to all the earth, and the mighty of the earth of the earth reject it, do not want to know it. Stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But his word is being preached here and to all nations. And what do you do, brothers and sisters? Do you see and believe him as your king? He is your king. Do we follow him as our king, taking our cross upon himself, following him? Our cross. That is not the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. Because that was unique and we can never repeat that. It was done once for all. But our own suffering as a sacrifice of thankfulness, showing our willingness to suffer for our king and our Lord. To suffer a little, out of thankfulness for the much suffering that he did, the eternal suffering which he conquered and defeated. It is the cross of Christ which brings us victory. The sign of the cross is the sign of victory. The story goes that the Roman Emperor Constantine, in the night before one of the most important battles which would bring the civil war in the Roman Empire to an end, which would make him the only emperor, that he had a dream. And in a dream he saw a cross and he heard the words, in this sign you will conquer. And then he had the cross painted on all the shields and helmets of his soldiers. He won the battle and from that moment on he defended the Christian church and gave it freedom of religion. It was an important moment in the history of the Christian church. I don't know if this story is true or not, some say that he had another sign, the first two letters of the name of Christ. But whatever it was, it is not important. However, if it comes to the spiritual battle, then indeed we have to fight with the gospel of Christ crucified. Only through his cross we will obtain the victory. Only through his cross Satan and hell can be defeated and are already defeated the battle has been won and therefore if you accept Jesus Christ and him crucified then we have that certainty that the battle is won we don't have to fight that battle anymore there is no need for us to stand in defense of Jesus Christ in defense of the truth there is no need for us to use human means and opinions to defend the Word of God God's word can fight for itself because it is the Holy Spirit who works through the word. And nobody can resist the Holy Spirit, not even the most powerful on this earth. And even though we may receive a new government in Canberra and we can be uncertain and can worry about its plans, we know that this is certain. Nobody can silence the word of God. The word of God will be preached all over the earth. Even in countries which desperately try to keep the word out, like China and many countries in the Middle East and in Africa and North Korea, we know the word is spreading also there. And nobody can resist the Holy Spirit But because the battle has been won. We don't have to fight that battle. We don't have to fight for the word of God because Christ who is the word of God then became flesh. He obtained the victory. It is only our task to preach Christ and him crucified whenever we have the opportunity and nothing else. And then the word will work because it is the spirit who works through the word. And then the outcome is sure brothers and sisters Satan is already Defeated, and therefore, brothers and sisters, let the world ridicule him, Jesus Christ. Let the world mock the Christians, as they mocked Christ on Golgotha. Trust in him, and and trust yourself to him. Then the victory is certain. It may be a, a way of suffering and pain, a way of being despised by so many in the world. But we know that by being faithful to Jesus Christ we will reach the eternal glory which we we may share with Christ. Our glory is the glory of Christ in which we may share. That is certain. Through his suffering and death and his resurrection, he made us his own possession. He is our king. And now we may know that we belong to him in life and death, with body and soul. And nothing shall separate us from his love. Our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, the only comfort in life and in death. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to the word of God from Psalm 102, the verses 6, 7, and 8. Lord, you will arise in in pity on, on your house in holy city. Psalm 102 for six, seven, and eight. Let us now pray and give thanks. Our Father in heaven, almighty God, we come before Your holy throne and we give thanks for such a wonderful salvation that you, the triune God, made your eternal decree and that you determined that this is the way you would work salvation, that, Father, you would send your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and your Son, that you decided to come take upon yourself all our sins and to suffer and to die for our sins and we thank you that you give us your holy spirit who unites us with your son and lord jesus christ so that we become one with him in his death and in his resurrection that we may receive new life father that is such a wonderful way of working that no human mind would ever come up with that that is your plan of salvation we praise you and we glorify your name for such a wonderful plan of salvation. And now we pray, Father, will you work powerfully with your word and your Holy Spirit that your word may be proclaimed all over this earth and that even human powers may not resist it. Even now we see the mighty on this earth plotting against you, making their schemes, contriving together, to break the bonds of your words, to throw away from them your commandments, and we see all the unrest it creates in these worlds. A nation rises against nation. and we know that in this all, your Son rules from heaven, seated at your right hand. And we know that He is our head, the head of his Christian church, that by faith. We belong to his body. And that gives us the certainty that nothing will separate us from your love. Father, give us that with that confidence we may may stand in this world. We may give a testimony in our entire life. That we do not fear this world. But that we will trust in you. Because that is your will. That we trust you with all our heart and soul and mind. Father... God is then through your word and spirit in everything. Bless us as your church, your congregation here at Sound River. Bless the office bearers in their task. The minister and poppy in his task to preach and teach. Give him that he may do well, may recover the COVID, that he may be able to fulfill his task faithfully. Give it to the elders, that they may be leaders who lead this flock in your ways gently and with care, not as imposing our opinions but leading the flock with your word. You, as the deacons, give them what they need to fulfill their task, to encourage us all to function as communion of saints, a communion in which no one lives uncomforted under the pressure of sickness, loneliness, or poverty. And give us uh, then that we may provide them with all that is needed for that, with the means for that. Father, build us all up that we all may encourage each other to remain faithful and to stand firm in this life, and we all may show our thankfulness in the entire way in which we live, whether we are at home or going to work or going to school or wherever we are and whatever we do, that all may be to the glory of your name, that we may resist all evil and praise and magnify you, in our lives, in our words, in our works, in our our thoughts even. Father, we thank you for this Sunday, this day of rest. We thank you for the church services, for the preaching of your words. We thank you also that we could respond to that in our worship. Be with us the remainder of this Sunday, that we may continue to enjoy the rest. Father, receive our thanks and hear our prayers. In the name of your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, your offerings this afternoon, are for the mission work in PNG, you may give the, your offerings at the exits. Uh, let us then now sing from Psalm 102, the verses 10 and 11. Mighty God of all creation, you have laid the earth's foundation. Psalm 102, verses 10 and 11. and sisters, receive the blessing of the Lord and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.